Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. How's it going, Giants fans? My name is Alex with my co-host here, Anthony Rivaro, coming off that week seven win, six and one, baby. We're definitely rolling, feeling the love, feeling all the uh, good positive you know, feedback from the fans, the players, the analysts. Some people still doubting Daniel Jones today and saying some not-so-nice things on ESPN. But nonetheless, we're here to remind you that Daniel Jones might have had one of his best games of his career yesterday against Jacksonville. I mean, Anthony was at the game. He saw it in person. I want to ask him you know, kind of what it looked like from the fan perspective at the game. Daniel Jones, you know, running for 107 yards, Saquon for 110, I believe. Um, and he also was pretty accurate with the football, you know, got away with, with that one interception that was called back due to the rough and the passer. Um, but ultimately, you know, the Giants came out on top. You know, defense played well down the stretch in that fourth quarter, and the offense did enough to overcome the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is actually a decent team on paper. They have a pretty good defense, actually, scoring 23 points. That was above the average they were allowing on a week-by-week -week basis. But we also want to talk about some injury updates. Daniel Bellinger, I spoke to his dad, Evan Neal, Ben Bredesen. Um, some good stuff, good takeaways from all these injuries, which is definitely something I'm very excited and optimistic uh, to discuss with all of you guys. But, Anthony, how you doing today, my friend, and how was the game? The game was amazing, man. I had a great time. I sat in the lower end zone. I had a great view of everything. When Daniel Jones scored that quarterback sneak, it was right into my end zone. We were all freaking out. It really was like a home game. There were just so many Giants fans surrounding me. Giants fans to my right, Giants fans to my left. Giants fans that were getting really rowdy in front of me. We were high-fiving the whole game. And then I look to the left, and I look inside the stadium, and it's just all blue jerseys, like big blue everywhere. The New York Giants fans all across the state, they really showed out, and it was pretty spectacular to see. It felt like a home game. It felt more like a home game than sometimes those home games feel at MetLife Stadium. I've been to a couple of those as well. This, you felt the Giants crowd really take over, bring the team some momentum, and it was just so much fun. At the end of the game, when the Giants were going down, or when the Jaguars were going down trying to score and the Giants defense was on the field, the fans were loud and they were cheering and the stadium ground started shaking. Like I could literally feel the ground underneath me start swaying back and forth from all of us jumping up and down and screaming. It was incredible. It was just so much fun. And of course, what a what an ending to that game. What a way to get that win. Of course, we'll dive into some of the stuff about Daniel Jones, about the referees, who I think really, really sucked. I was unhappy as hell towards the end of the game before we got the win, but roller coaster emotions all the way up to the peak when we get that victory. A great six and one win. And I'm over the moon right now. Yeah, so let's uh, before we dive into some of the injury updates, let's talk about that refereeing, that that umpiring that was abysmal across the board. It, it really felt like they were trying to get the Jacksonville Jaguars to win that game. I know they went in three-point underdogs, and Kayon Thibodeau was held all game long, like literally the whole game. They were holding him. Not a single freaking call. Dane Belton, uh, that hands-to-the-face call in the fourth quarter when they're driving down the field, that, was, that did not exist. That did not happen. I saw the clip. It did not happen. Um, you know, that roughing the passer on Dexter Lawrence literally grabbed Trevor Lawrence's like shirt for two seconds. I posted it on Twitter. He, he falls down and it was so, it was such like nothingness. You know what I mean? Like it was like the equivalent of someone just tripping over someone's like, he barely even did anything. Um, the one against Daniel Jones was actually roughing the passer. He helmet to helmet hit him in the face. And there was no penalty for reaching in Daniel Bellinger's face mask and literally gouging his eyeball out. Like the. I've never seen such lopsided refereeing in my entire freaking life. 
And it was hard to watch. Like, it was just so blatantly obvious how much Kayvon Thibodeau was getting held. I posted multiple times. Daniel Jones on that slide, he slides and he gets hit up top late. And they don't call anything on that either. How many times have we seen quarterbacks get that call around the league week in and week out? DJ doesn't get it. Doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I really just don't understand um, how lopsided this was and, and, and why it was so lopsided. Like, it was like almost visibly obvious that they, the refs were like, rooting against or, or trying to play against the Giants here. And the Giants had to beat not only Jacksonville, but beat the refs as well, which made it that much more impressive considering all the injuries they dealt with and the adversity they had to overcome. So from an in-person perspective, you're watching all these holds, you're watching all these botched calls. You know, how are you feeling in that moment? And, and what the hell do you think was going on to begin with? I mean, obviously I was getting pissed off and screaming from my uh, my seat, you know, screaming at the refs, telling them that they suck and all that. And we were all really confused by some of these calls. One thing that I'll say is I did see Kayvon Thibodeau get held quite a few times, and it wasn't just Kayvon Thibodeau. There's one play that I remember specifically where Trevor Lawrence started to get under duress. He was being pressured. And Leonard Williams looked like he had a sack and he was going to get there. And then out of nowhere, just got pulled from his collar down to the ground. And I was like, how did no one in the field – on the field, refereeing the game, see that clear and obvious hold. I'm here at row Z in section 123. I could see it. You're on the field, dude. You should be able to see that too. So, yes, the refereeing was really bad. At the same time, a couple of the mistakes that the Giants made in terms of getting penalties were the Giants' mistakes down the stretch, and they did kind of make things a little bit more difficult on themselves. But you also mentioned it. The Giants beat two opponents yesterday. They beat the Jaguars and they beat the referees. They really overcame a lot of a lot of adversity in this game. And I guess that's my main takeaway from that final stretch in the game is, yes, Saquon Barkley, he probably should have been smarter, gone down sooner, stayed in bounds. But the referees also, they, they waited so long to switch the play clock back to a minute. We were standing there and we were all under the belief that the New York Giants had just like won a football game. And then all of a sudden, minutes later, and I'm like, but, but the Giants kind of just have to change their strategy on a whim now because you took so long to get that call in. And I thought that was really confusing. And then the Giants get the ball or the Jaguars get the ball. Giants are on defense. And like you mentioned, just a string of penalties constant. The game was wrapped up. We were all hyped, screaming because we thought that there was an interception and the Giants just won and it just got wiped away and it just kept happening. And it was so frustrating. But at the end of the day, the Giants still found a way to win. A win is a win is a win. I don't care how the Giants got the win. I just know that it says six on the first level of that column. That win column says six in it. That's all I care about. So whatever. It should say seven because like you said, we beat the refs as well. It was a whole extra opponent. But I'll, I'll digress on that. It, like I said, man, it, a win is a win. And at the end, when we needed a big stop at the one-yard line, we did see our boy Xavier McKinney go in there, make that big stop, and and and. Get Get the Giants to win. Yeah, and shout out to Fabian Moreau as well, who came up big on that drive. He also got in there with the tackle. He came up with a, a couple of big plays. But let's take a look at some of these injuries first and foremost. Look at Daniel Bellinger, you know, a guy who's really made an impact in multiple ways up, up to this point in the season. As a run blocker, he has three red zone touchdowns. As a receiver, he's really been rounding out his style and his game. And I've been extremely impressed. And I spoke with his dad, and his dad said his vision is okay. So that's the main important thing. That's the number one thing. Vision is okay. He can see. He didn't get his, you know, cornea scratched off or whatever. You know, this is definitely a situation where, you know, he did say that he was going to require surgery. So I don't exactly know what that looks like. I don't know what kind of surgery that entails. He was bleeding pretty profusely all over his jersey and it was coming from his eyeball. So that obviously is definitely concerning. Um, but as long as his vision seems to be okay, I think he should, he should be able to make a full recovery. I would not expect him to be able to play for at least a couple of weeks. 
yeah, you know, that visor definitely going to be put in to make sure his eye never gets hit again. Again, don't know why that's not a, not a foul, you know, hands in the face mask, gouging your eyes out. Jacksonville kind of played dirty and, you know, that's a Doug Peterson special. Uh, so screw that guy. But, you know, Daniel Bellinger seems to be like, he'll be okay. It's just going to take some time. I don't, I'm not an optometrist, so I'm not exactly sure how long a timetable for a turn will be. But obviously as we get more information, I will deliver that to you as well. Evan Neal, Follows up with a grade two MCL sprain. I don't know what it is with the Giants and MCL sprains, but half their teams had them. Kenny Galladay had one. Um, uh, Leonard Williams had one. Wandell Robinson had one. Uh, I think DJ Davidson got one too. Ben Bredesen might have had. I don't know what it is with the MCLs this year, but at least it's not. Yeah, Anthony might have one. <laughs> Everyone's getting MCLs, but hey, as long as it's not ACLs or patellar tendons, I'm cool with it. You know what I mean? Um, so grade two, according to Google, two to four week timetable for a turn. And luckily the Giants play Seattle and they have the bye week and then they have that week leading up to the um, week nine game. So you're looking at really one missed game and they have three weeks, you know, Bellinger, Evan Neal and Ben Bredesen have three weeks here missing with just one game to hopefully climb back into the mix um, and, and get healthy. So there's optimism regarding the timetable that it kind of happened at an ideal time for the Giants. Uh, but with that being said, you never want to see anybody get injured. And Evan Neal was really mounting and really, uh, you know, uh, compounding that success he's been enjoying the last couple of weeks. He gave up three pressures in his last two games combined. So that's definitely a big step forward for the rookie tackle. And then you have Ben Bredesen, left guard, you know, another guy that actually has been stepped up and, and played really well recently and really held it down at left guard. He went down with a knee injury. Apparently, according to Jordan Ronan, it's not a serious injury either. So it looks like we escaped by the skin of our teeth with a lot of these injuries. You know, you look over at the Jets, Brees Hall, they're starting, they're starting running back, absolutely monster, towards ACL. So, you know, the Giants look like they kind of walked away on the better side of the injury front for once. Yes, we are dealing with a ton of injuries on the offensive side, but the Giants still managed to march down the field and put together pretty successful drives um, due to, you know, Daniel Jones' legs and Saquon Barkley stepping it up. And Wandale looked phenomenal. I think it uh, six six catches for 50 yards or something like that. Uh, so he looked great as well. Um, but those are kind of the main things. Daniel Bellinger, vision okay, going to need surgery most likely. Evan Neal, grade two MCL sprain, and Ben Bredesen also was a knee injury. Not much of a diagnosis on that just yet, but doesn't seem to be season ending. So that's a good sign as well, Anthony. You know, how are you feeling about these guys? Obviously, injuries suck, but at least they're not done for the year. Yeah, I mean, injuries do suck, but if there was a time to get injured, you're right. It's probably this game. They've got one more matchup and then a bye week. So there is some time to recover here. There is, you know, a big buffer period with that bye week where these guys will probably miss a game, but then they might not miss any games after that because of that bye week, which is pretty special. Uh, so, yeah, this was the time to do it if they were going to do it. It's unfortunate that the injuries occurred. Uh, with Evan Neal, I think that he'll be back soon enough. He's probably just going to have to play with a knee brace on. He's probably going to play through some through some discomfort. But missing one to two games is not that big of a deal. He'll be back at the by the season's end, and I think that's super important. For Ben Bredesen, I have no idea how to diagnose any type of you know eye injury. I have no idea really what to make of it. He was bleeding out of his eyeball. Like that's like really scary. That is total nightmare fuel for me. I sat about that thinking in bed last night and I was like, I need to think about something really happy right now. Otherwise I'm going to have nightmares all night because that is just the scariest shit in the world bleeding out of your eyeball. So I'm hoping that he makes a speedy recovery. I'm hoping, you know, I, I know you spoke to his dad, Frank, and he told you that his vision is okay and it doesn't seem to be too bad, but he does need surgery. Hopefully it's a speedy turnaround on the surgery. I, I hope there is not a, massive recovery time because Daniel Bellinger has been rock solid for the New York Giants this year as a rookie stepping in as a starting tight end and making that level of impact in the rushing game from a blocking perspective and even scoring rushing touchdowns in the receiving game super reliable definitely Daniel Jones's most reliable receiver he's been 
excellent through the first seven weeks of the year. So I'm hoping he's able to come back strong uh, and not miss too much time. But then Ben Bredesen, you bringing up Ben Bredesen, this injury that he has kind of made me think of another question, Alex, like where is Shane Lemieux? Is he okay? Is he all right? I feel like I haven't heard anything about Shane Lemieux since he was placed on injured reserve before the season. I was told it was going to be a four-week injury. He should be able to return as soon as his injured reserve time is let, uh, is over. We haven't heard anything. We're here at week seven, going into week eight. We kind of need some interior offensive line depth. I know that Nick Gates is practicing. He might come back. I think this is the week where he'd have to come back if he's going to come back. So we, I want an update on Shane Lemieux, though, because this was the guy who was supposed to be the starting left guard, and we haven't heard a peep. So I'm a little curious as to what's going on on that front. I'm hoping that the Ben Bredesen injury really isn't anything serious. Maybe it's just another MCL sprain since that seems to be going around the Giants locker room right now. Kayvon Thibodeau had one. Leonard Williams had one. Wondell Robinson has one. Now, of course, Evan Neal has one. So hopefully it's just that because those seem to be pretty quick turnarounds, four weeks, and then they're back. So I'm hoping that that's all that Ben Bredesen suffered there. But thankfully, it looks like the Giants came away mostly unscathed. No season-ending injuries. Thank the maker. And pretty much just a few players who are going to miss some games. But that bye week is going to help them a lot. So I, I think overall, it's probably a positive to take away with the injuries in this week's game. You know, it's not like the Cowboys game where we've lost Sterling Shepard for the year. That was a massive blow to the Giants offense. And that honestly helped, makes me think of something else to bring up. The, the drops, you know, the Giants receivers are dropping passes left and right. Daniel Jones played a great game, and he also played through the adversity of the refs, and he also played through the adversity of having his receivers drop a ton of passes. So, Alex, I'm curious to know what are your thoughts on the receiver, the receiving department for the New York Giants, all the drops that Daniel Jones is having to suffer through, and what the Giants should do going forward to maybe mitigate this problem. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, um, the receiving core for the Giants is probably one of the weaker ones in the league. Um, you know, we don't have Tony right now. We don't have Galladay, but you know, Galladay has been phased out. Essentially Wandale looks like the real deal. He looks like what Tony was always supposed to be kind of that receiver plus gadget uses. You can use him in a lot of different ways and really design touches for him. And he makes the most out of them. And he called in a lot of uh, some pretty impressive catches, by the way, that one catch he had in that first half, uh, where it was bobbling in the air. I think it was in the first drive. Actually he made the catch. I don't know if you remember that one, but it was absolutely sick. Um, so, you know, this is a player who I think has a bright future ahead of him, picked him up on fantasy. I'd recommend doing the same. He's going to be a high target guy. If you're in a PPR league, he's going to be an absolute monster for you, uh, moving forward here. But I'll tell you what, you know, Marcus Johnson, he has got to go. He, yes, he's fast, but the guy legit cannot catch. He cannot catch. Dan, even Daniel Jones was like, catch the freaking ball. And after the game, Daniel Jones was like, I'm sorry I did that. Like, he was like, I'm disappointed that I let my emotions get the best of me. But we've never seen Daniel Jones do that before, ever. He, we've never seen him visibly upset about somebody dropping or doing something bad. And obviously, if, if it got to him in that moment, it definitely needs to be acknowledged that Marcus Johnson probably isn't that good. And they didn't even look in his direction once after that happened. So Darius Slayton, he had a couple drops as well. Yes, he had a big touchdown. You know, he made a, he made an impact. And look, I'll take a touchdown for a drop every every day of the week. You know what I mean? Like, that's fine. Um, and he's going to be an integral piece of the puzzle moving forward here. But David Sills came in. He made a couple of catches, you know, made a little bit of an impact. Again, not the most reliable. Um, you know, if I'm the Giants and I'm Joe Shane right now, I'm looking to other teams and saying, who can I pick up? That's a very underrated piece that might be on the outs. Like Jerry Judy is going to cost a lot. Chase Claypool is going to cost a lot. There's got to be some decent players um, that you could find that might be actually like valuable to what we're trying to accomplish here. Maybe we like if you see how much the Giants are getting out of some of these players right now, we don't need the best player to get the most out of them, right? We don't need Chase Claypool. We don't need Jerry Judy. There's got to be some low key guys on some bad teams that, you know, uh, that they might be willing to part ways with. 
where the, where the Giants might be able to extrapolate on them and actually get some good value out of them. And maybe that's something that we should look at this week, Anthony. We'll try to look at some teams that might be struggling right now, might be sellers at the deadline, um, and some receivers that might fit the bill for the Giants in terms of you know the style that they're looking for, like very quick, fast, good route runners, got some speed, um, you know, not like big possession guys like Galladay. So we'll do some research, come back to you guys with a couple options that make sense. No big money ones either. They've got to be very specific. So we'll, we'll take a look for you as always there. Um, but I think that right now, this team, you know, is not going to be in the mix for a big name receiver, or a big name guy at the, at the deadline. We need our draft capital. Look at how much the rookies are, are producing this year. Bellinger, Neal, Kayvon Thibodeau, Dane Belton. I imagine Darian Beavers would be starting right now if he didn't get injured. You know, this team is getting a lot of value out of the rookies. Draft capital is very important when you actually have rookies that are that are playing. Um, and I'd rather I'd rather keep it than send it away for a guy that maybe is here for one year or comes with a huge price tag. And I imagine that's kind of what they're thinking as well. So I think it's more logical for us to look into guys that might be low-key uh, receivers that you know maybe we could scoop up for the cheap and have cheap contracts, maybe like a Darius Slayton level guy, but a little bit better hands and maybe has other weaknesses that we can kind of mask and extrapolate on the strengths there. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that? You know, maybe looking at some low key guys that we can build on rather than big free agent or big guys like Jerry Judy or what they're going to cost a lot of draft capital. I mean, I think that's exactly what the New York Giants need to do. I've kind of mentioned this before in some previous episodes. The Giants are winning, so their draft stock is going down because they're going to be placing later in the draft. And that's not a bad thing. I hope the Giants continue to win. I hope we ride this high and make it to the playoffs at Super Bowl, of course. But they do need to be cognizant of that fact, and they do need to plan accordingly and look ahead to the future. And that's why I've kind of advocated for maybe shipping off Kenny Galladay and shipping off Kadarius Tony at the trade deadline, getting some draft capital in return for these guys that the Giants just simply are not using and do not need to win football games, and maybe turning around and going and getting a really cheap, low-key pickup at the wide receiver option just to add just another option, really, for Daniel Jones, just somebody else who can maybe, you know, like you said, extrapolate on his strengths and kind of build on what he has there. A low-key guy, but the Giants don't have the cap space right now to go out there and sign anybody on the free agent market, really, and they don't have a lot of draft capital. And like I said, because they're already hurting their draft stock, there's no need to go trade away some of their draft capital. They should in, instead trying to be gaining draft capital at the trade deadline, in my opinion, to make up for the, the stock that they're losing here. So I think when you take a look at it, Maybe the Giants go ahead and do a player swap at the trade deadline. Maybe they've got a you know a back-end corner or a safety or something that they want to trade for an, a team's back-end receiver. That's definitely a possibility, and I think that might be the most likely outcome here. But I don't expect the Giants to really be too aggressive in the pursuit of any of those big names. Chase Claypool, I don't think is a possibility. Jerry Judy, I would love that, and I think the only reason that that might be somewhat of a possibility is because Brian Dable used to coach Jerry Judy at Alabama, so you can maybe keep that in mind. Maybe Dable goes to Joe Shane and says, get me this guy, I'll turn him into a superstar. That's like the only way that I see that happening, you know, and I don't think that's a, a massive likelihood because I feel like Joe Shane's going to be very smart here and he's going to only go out there and get a guy that makes sense for the Giants cap space and for the Giants future draft capital. So um, I think that's really what you're taking a look at here. So a low key move, Alex, I completely agree with that. And I'm excited to see if that move gets made before this week's game or if it gets made across the bye week. Yeah, absolutely. So to wrap this episode up, uh, right before we started here, uh, Jordan Ronan actually tweeted out something about Daniel Bellinger you guys probably will be interested in. He suffered a fracture around his eye socket and septum. Uh, so 
may require surgery. I, I don't know exactly how the timetable for that, but it definitely sounds like a pretty serious injury. You know, we've seen basketball players, this happens to them and they have to wear that big funny mask uh, for football players. I imagine, you know, you're taking hits to the head. You probably don't want to mess with that. Um, so they probably have to wait for that injury to heal completely. I, it could be four weeks, could be a month, could be a month and a half, two months. I'm not sure, but it does sound like he should be able to return at some point this season. Um, which obviously is a good sign if the Giants can continue to win games here, but they need more tight end help now. You know, you got Tanner Hudson. Um, the Giants do have a guy in the practice squad they got from the Jets, Lawrence Cager. He's actually pretty good. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, uh, but I spoke about, you know, I, I did a whole film review and talked about him, um, you know, with the, with our Jets guy at ESM, and he uh, he's pretty solid. He's a really good receiver, really good receiver. So I would not be surprised if you saw Lawrence Cager get elevated within the next couple weeks here um, to make an impact while Bellinger's out. Not the best blocker by any means but he can make an impact as a receiver and maybe that's something the, Gi the Giants want to extrapolate on so we'll see kind of how they go about that or they if they want to go out and get someone um off of uh the free agent market they don't have much money but you know we'll see what happens here but guys love love to hear opinions narratives and uh perspectives below in the YouTube comments as always hope you guys enjoyed the video make sure to like subscribe as always Tiposaurus Rex the good luck charm pushes onward absolute freaking monster I can't believe th this guy Tiposaurus Rex my goodness gracious Thought it was a joke. Ended up getting us to six, six and one. I mean, who thought this little rubber dinosaur could be the good luck charm we all needed? But hey, we're here for it, my friends. Hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. Enjoy Victory Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And we're back at it against the Seattle Seahawks next Sunday at 425 p.m. So enjoy the rest of your day. Catch you guys on the next Fireside Giants episode.